Hello and welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on life in the pub trade by those working in it. I'm the morning advertisers, Ed Bennington, and with me to navigate the choppy waters of pub life are my co-host Heath Ball and Nicky Thatcher. Heath is an award-winning pub operator with many accolades to his name, but despite this, with the economic challenges ramping up, that does not mean he's immune from the pressures and challenges that are causing operators sleepless nights as they work themselves around the clock to keep their businesses afloat. Oh yeah, sorry, if I was going to say, how was your long weekend in Paris? It was really romantic. Yeah? Yeah. You and, you and Clive Owen. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, it is incredible, isn't it? The man who is uh, constantly complaining about how hard things are spends half his time. And my mate was, Away. He, he was out there filming Running and he around. said, come out and hang out. Yeah, but for someone so miserable as you, yeah. that you're never happy, yeah. but yet you're swanning around the Paris. world. Yeah, well, Skipping the, the, through the cobble streets. Mexico yeah. was a supplier thing, uh-huh. and Paris was just hanging out with a mate and just eating and drinking. And that sounds terrible. That's a really terrible time, and yet you're still not happy. No, because my back's sore. Oh, boohoo. But it was all right. We had a driver. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's good. We are going to be talking about staffing these things, and it's a good job he actually has a staff to run his business for him while he's fucking about all over the place. Yeah, very true. Anyway, um, and joining us once again on the podcast is the MA's very own Nikki Thatcher. Having failed to embarrass herself in the last episode, we'll give you the chance to have another crack at it this time. Oh, I can't wait. I don't embarrass myself. That's because you're unembarrassable. I am, yeah. It's very hard to embarrass me. Yes, it's true. I've been trying for the last how many years? Five, six. Yeah. It just felt like longer. What have you been trying? Uh, too embarrassing. Oh, yes. Sorry. No, not what you're thinking. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say lovely to have you both here, uh, especially Heath for just jetting in just to join us. Well, we'll come on to that later. Okay. Um, we are taking a look at the staffing challenges we're currently facing in the sector after the brutal combination of Brexit and a pandemic left the industry struggling to recruit and fill positions. To help us pick apart some of those issues, we'll be hearing from Nazarene Johnson, head of people with Arc Inspiration who's going to be discussing retention, but also the challenges around disciplinary issues as well, which I suspect Heath, you will um, need to pay attention to. Uh, we'll be hearing about how the recruitment market is shaping up from 68 People's Abbey Dunn, and Charlotte Edwards, Learning and Development Manager of the award-winning pub cow Barron's Pubs, will be talking about building a culture around training. But before all that, let's let's have a quick catch-up. We're actually in the uh, counting house in Cornhill, a, a Fuller's pub to record this one, so you'll hear the lovely background hum as everyone gets really drunk just before the football. Uh, is that what this was going on downstairs? That's really busy. Ah, I wondered what. I, was, yes. I mean, it's at least five hours till the football kicks off, but. You can never you start know, too early. You've got to get your seat early, haven't you? Yeah, unlike the, the fans out at Qatar. Well, indeed, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, you struggle to get into the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm hammered. <laughs> I mean, have you noticed any impact of the World Cup on, on the trade yet? I mean, I, I, know think, you, I saw, was it Marsden's report so. that went out today? Was it Marsden's gave some figures right. or something that was out there saying they were up? Really good sales of the World Cup. Um, I don't know, I think we're, we're quiet at the red tonight because we don't play the games, obviously, you know. Everyone goes to proper pubs for that. <laughs> And then um, the lockout won't be busy either. The wind lock's showing it, so that'll be quite busy. Yeah. Um, that's a proper pub. Yeah, it's a proper pub. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Look, it's, let's, let's be honest, everybody's, everybody's really excited about this game tonight, but you're playing Wales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You couldn't even beat America. How embarrassing. <laughs> Time to go home, chaps. Uh, oh, oh, I mean, that, how did New Zealand do? We, we wouldn't play this, oh, this, okay. this football thing you talk about. I think it's got to be a good thing, I though. I like, missed an opportunity to say Australia. Well, we don't play football. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, sure. We dominate. 
No, we do, but we don't play very well. Oh, I've never heard of the New Zealand football team. I think they're called the All Whites. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. We've got the All Blacks and the All Whites. They're going to get cancelled soon, oh, both, both teams. God's sake. <laughs> Anyway, what I was going to say was, um, surely it can only be a good thing. I know you're saying that you're quiet, so maybe that would be food pubs might be more impacted. But surely it's a good thing. You know what's a good thing? I got a, re- I got a restaurant. I got a reservation tonight at Manteca in Shoreditch. Can never get a reservation. Got a table tonight. Who are you working tonight? I am. I got a meeting. Uh, it's a right. work meeting. Uh, <laughs> Supposed, I'm meeting my suppliers, one of my suppliers for dinner. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He doesn't follow football either. Yeah. 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 yeah, fair enough. Um, the wheels of industry, Edward. That's made you happy. That was a small a smile. Look at that smile, Ed. Like, I don't have to, like, I've actually got a restaurant reservation that's and a restaurant I've been meaning to go to. I've never seen it before. It I've never painful. seen it before, yeah. That's the, it's the, the, the edges jealous. of his mouth are cracking from the lack of use there. It's, it's, my, it's my face uh, facelift that's cracking. Oh, yes, it's the Botox, isn't it? So, other important issues of the week, weather in Paris, how was that? It was really good, actually. Yeah, good. Yeah, fantastic. Good. Went to the um, Ritz bar and got absolutely no one hammered cares, on. Yeah, it was no good. one cares. No good. one cares. Um, train strikes. I mean, that's, that's the Like, honestly. Thing. I mean, was like, the Eurostar affected? Yeah, actually, it was a delay. Okay. Yeah. Um, tra- I mean, yeah, the train strike. I mean, we, Come we, on, we, eh? Are we, we going to see them We've, had, we've got the World Cup in the middle of December. We've got train strikes. It's like, and the government still doesn't care how much we're affected. No. They, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, the train strikers don't really care either as well. So, I mean, if I, this is the only... I, I, I think the government are just going to sit there and go, well, let them, let them strike because everyone will hate them. So, yeah, because uh, that's the thing. Everyone, No-one's got any sympathy now for, for the train drivers and the people who are striking because it's just messing up everything. So everyone's just getting annoyed about that. They're not getting annoyed at the government. You imagine having some the of these big central London venues that have mm-hmm. finally got Christmas yeah. and booked in huge parties just getting cancelled left, right. Yeah. Well, I was, I mean, I was chatting to a guy. He, he was saying, you know, he was in a meeting with with one of his clients, and he had twenty four thousand pounds worth of uh, cancellations uh, in the half hour they were in the meeting, and then half an hour after the meeting, the guy rang said it's up to fifty four thousand. Uh, it's it's insane, it's, and that's people just going, you know what, we'll just cancel. But even and if they're they're not t- but even no, but yeah, exactly, they, they might. You never. Well, I'm trying to be optimistic here. He don't say anything because yeah. you know I know what you're like. Um, but will they reboot? Like for, for us, when we didn't have our Christmas party last year because of well, because of COVID, but we did end up having one a lot later on in the year. But we did still have one, so surely people still want to have a party. but it's not going to be the same vibe, is it? It's not going to be like, and then there'll be, there'll be other pressures on the business next year. These companies will be like, oh god, okay, the recession's here. Sorry, guys, you know we can't do Christmas parties. And yeah, but surely but with will we? That's, a, that's an interesting point though, because we we talk about January and February and how difficult they are. If we see some of that trade, if we see people going, you know what, we're not going to bother. We're going to do it in January. Yeah. It's going to be easy. We're going to guarantee. Well, to I, think, I think you're trying to put good? a rainbow in a room full of shit. That's what we call you. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> I, I think we can talk about it. Some people will get a few bookings, but I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to save the industry in January. Well, no, I wasn't suggesting it would save the industry. I was just thinking it might be a nice little uh, uplift for, for some operators. But also, um, actually, as we're talking about um, recruitment and staffing today, is that people are still, employees are still going to want Christmas parties. If they get cancelled and then nothing happens, surely the employees are going to... Just what we want to do for hospitality, take all our staff out for a massive knees up. Well, I don't, I'm not just talking about hospitality. Okay. I'm talking about all the people, all the you'll, you'll our customers. You'll never everyone, to do that. So yeah. Sorry. The customers that use hospitality for their Christmas parties. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to be it's going to be difficult. I think we're going to be in a 
it's just not looking pretty. No. I can't. Like, another Christmas at shit. And it's just like, come on, give us a break. Give us a clean run. I mean, what, what do we reckon? Are we going to see them avert? Because, I mean, I'm assuming you have to look at it, and the unions must be looking thinking, yeah, this might not go down that well. You know, the optics aren't looking good on this. Maybe we should rethink our strategy. It's a bit shit. Because I don't think the government's going to negotiate, really. I think but they, even I think if they turn around... Said, yeah, nah. But even Tough. if they... They were saying on the radio today, even if they turn around, like, soonish and go, OK, we're not doing the strikes, there's a cut-off point where they can't... It's already going to be reduced well, service. Have a knock on the yeah, 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 there's already a reduced service. Well, any excuse to reduce the service is really yeah, bad. I don't it's like it's, then we got, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, I also, I think up north it's, it's, it's particularly bad. Manchester is particularly bad, yeah. here, isn't it? Something like 25 percent of the trains, are, but even now without strikes, are just. The not running nor- it's nor- the Great Northern Service I think isn't it yeah. it hasn't got the greatest reputation it, it's almost like the, the government is just trying they've got two years left it's a fire sale let's just burn the place down and who's ever next good luck ha 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 and just walk away from it all it's, it's country on fire it's just madness yeah but in fairness the trains I've never known our train system to be good at least, they're, at least they're cheap yeah okay oh, yeah, yeah. Shit. yeah. Uh, sure do you know what I mean fly to Europe cheaper that's what you do, you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On, the, on the daily basis uh, when is your next trip no nowhere I've got nothing planned nothing uh, nothing uh, no. not going to Sweden with the family no, no, no. <laughs> have a good I mean, Christmas without me to be I'm working Christmas so yeah uh, don't you shut for Christmas Christmas day shut I used to open, but then people just, it's horrible. Expectations, demanding, and then if you have a regular, can't get a table, they kick off. So now I'll close Christmas Day and then just have dinner by myself, watch TV or something. Now remember, because you have fallen foul of this before, Domino's is not open. Yeah, do you remember that story? Oh, I, I thought I'd order a pizza and just watch TV, and nothing's open. I literally oh. could look at a Domino's. Don't, don't feel sorry for I me. I forgot to bring my tiny little violin today. I mean, he had, he, had a, he had a commercial kitchen available with food galore throughout yeah. it. Yeah. Well, with the, with the cost of electricity this year, I won't be going near to cook myself a roast dinner at get, 100 grand. Get yourself an air fryer, it's fine. Like, what's this? Everyone's got an air fryer. <laughs> no, I haven't. You what? want one, though? No, I don't. It's just because Martin Lewis said, buy an air fryer, and everybody's gone, let's have an air fryer. I, I, what, are, what are you cooking here? Just everything? I don't cook, so I, I right. don't know. Well, here we go. You, you air fry like you would fry other things, I assume. Uh, do you do whole chickens? Yeah, you can do whole chickens in there, yeah. And roast potatoes, I've heard. Very good roast potatoes. No wonder we've got an obesity problem in this country. Everybody's buying air fryers. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get stuck in. I mean, we are, we are going to be talking about staffing. We, uh, I did suggest that my wife, who works in HR, should join the podcast. Her response was, absolutely not, not a chance. And I said, I all we need to do to get on the podcast is tell her we're staging... I'll tell her we're staging an intervention about your drinking. Next minute, she's here. Says so the man on pain medication and a pint of Guinness in front of her. I'd love Guinness. <laughs> hey, Guinness, can you send me some free glasses? <laughs> no think. one's got Guinness glasses yeah. anywhere. No one. The amount of people asking where they can get Guinness glasses, there seems to be a stock problem. Well, I think I dodged a bullet anyway. So, right, I think we'll part that one there and we shall move on. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we're focusing on the challenges around staffing in this episode. I'm delighted to welcome Naz Johnson, uh, People and Culture Director of the award-winning ARC Inspiration. So, thanks for joining us, Naz. 
Thank you very much. And uh, I like the award winning. That's a lovely intro. So well, thank you. you. It, it, it's all true. You won, uh, I think you won a couple of public awards, didn't you, in the last We certainly did. Yeah, we did. Best operations team and, uh, and bar. So it was lovely. Yeah. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, so this one, we're focusing on retention and team management. So um, that's, I mean, how do you guys focus on keeping people in place? Um, Heath, locking them in the cellar doesn't yeah. count, by the way. Um, I was thinking super glue. Yeah, super glue. <laughs> Isn't an option, but you know, how, how do you focus on retention? What do you, what do you guys do? Well, locking them in the cellar would be a great idea, but uh, but I think we wouldn't get away with that. Um, it's it's a really tough one. You know, we we're operating in a really difficult climate at the moment and a very very competitive industry, and not just hospitality, but you know we're competing against retail as well and, and other industries um, outside of our sector. I think I think for me. Um, and I'm a very simple woman with very kind of simple beliefs um, and strategies, but it, it's about how you build a great culture and a great environment within which people can really flourish and work and be at the best. So we spend a lot of time looking culturally about um, what are the things that make a difference uh, some of our people. I think one of the things that we've uh, spent a lot of time this year and we've invested heavily in is development. So how do we help uh, our line managers, our leaders in the business, uh, how do we equip them with the skills in order to lead um, and give them the confidence to lead? Because, and I'm sure it might be the same for other, uh, other businesses in, in our industry, but you know, through COVID, through things like Brexit, you, uh, we have often promoted from within. Um, and these are people that might make excellent floor tenders, excellent bartenders, excellent chefs, but... Um, you put them into a management position and, and for me I fundamentally believe you've got to develop them as well so we spend a lot of time uh, on development we spend a lot of time kind of promoting from within and uh, really driving a really great career path for people so that they know how to how to get on uh, and how to do more in a bigger role um, and then I think kind of coupled with that would be around what are some of the incentives and the pieces of recognition you can do it doesn't have to be financial because you know we, we don't all have bottomless pits and big big purses mm. but how do you ensure that you're recognizing really great performance and whether that's through you know employee of the quarter employee of the month we've got instant rewards that we do for people we offer them snacks and treats at the end of a shift uh, we put them on as i said training and development uh, we provide them with uh, coaching and support and things like that so it's about um for me it's about recognition it's about culture and it's about treating people um, as adults and how do we help make it a really great place to work I mean, Heath you were talking about this earlier weren't you with uh, regard to the um, your uh, uh, feeding people yeah I mean, tell us, tell us I've always, I was always well, I think I've always fed people really well because there's nothing worse I remember being moving over to this country and working in hospitality and I used to be starving going to work and starving going home and you'd always be fighting for scraps and then I started working in fancy restaurants and they would I remember working for one chef I won't say his name but we got given cornflakes for star food every bloody day and it, 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 it drove me mental so when I first got my, my first business um, it was always about star food and it was always much about making sure everybody had food in the stomach and were happy but not just rubbish food like really good food so it's always been a big part of my culture to have really good food for the people 
I mean, expand a bit on what you were saying. That you know, you, you, it, it's not just about pay. Um, does that mean we don't have to pay people, or uh, I mean, how, how do we do that? <laughs> so, of course, we've got to pay people, and uh, and pay. You know, pay at the moment is 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 as emotive and as needed as it ever has been. I think, especially with you know the the various uh, crises that are happening uh, across the UK. I think. I think, of course, it's a factor, you know, and it's an important factor because people need to pay rent, people need to pay for their cars, people need to buy food for themselves. I think, for me, it's about um, how do you offer more than just financial support and how do you offer um, things like um, well-being support and look at things like work-life balance. So, you know, for, for our, we spend a lot of time and a lot of effort on things like rotors, making sure that we're giving our people as much notice on rotors as we possibly can so that we can recognise that, you know, they've got a home life, they've got families, they've got hobbies, they've got things they want to do. So I think for me, focusing just on pay, yes, it's important, but it is only one. And, it, and it's more around, you know, what does... Um, you know, Ed was just talking about it then, but what about the kind of nutrition side of what you're feeding people if you feed them? What about the physical um, part of well-being? How do you help with mental health and well-being? So, you know, pay is important. Yes, of course it is, but it's, it's there's a lot of other things that businesses can get right as well that also supports that. I guess things like gym membership. I know we've, we've seen other operators, they offer gym memberships and they offer things like that. All, all of that kind of fits within that sort of, uh, sort of well-being kind of side of things, doesn't it? Absolutely, and we're the same. You know, we offer gym membership. We offer a great online benefits platform uh, where people can get discounts on everyday things like, you know, takeaways and cinemas and uh, and, and uh, supermarket shops and things like that. So we're trying to help people in as many ways as we can possibly do, in and above um, an hourly rate. Mm-hmm. I mean, Heath, other than feeding them, do you offer any other incentives? Trips to Paris, maybe. Um... <laughs> I don't know, like incentives, there's always like ones running on, hustling on the floor incentives, who can sell this, who can do that, um, you know, they can win trips and stuff, try and keep them, just try, like, like I said, try and keep it really personal, we're small teams at most of the pubs, so it's just making sure you know what people need. Mm-hmm. And Naz, and I mean, you're, you're prior, to, prior to being in this sector, you were, you were in uh, a retail, uh, William Robinson, I believe, um, William Morrison, um, I mean, how, how do you, what, what's been your sort of impression sort of coming from that more, much more sort of uh, corporate background into the hospitality sector are there are there things we can learn from that side or, or is it vice versa um, do you know it's a really great question I think it can be vice versa I think what, what blew me away and still surprises me to this day and I'm and I sound like a bit of a crusader with it which is um, I think hospitality gets a really poor rap when it comes to careers and and having a really successful career you know um, I still hear to this day people saying to people in our venues when are you going to get a proper job and it breaks my heart because you know I've never met and I can honestly hand on heart say this until I came into this industry I have never met a bunch of more hard working passionate committed skilled 
competent people than, than actually that I've seen across some other industries. So, Naz, you need to have a conversation with the Tory party because we're classified <laughs> as unskilled labour. We're unskilled labour. And that's the problem. I can't believe it. That's what they do. That's why we can't, bring in, we can't bring people into work in this country yeah. because we're yeah. unskilled. And this is why yeah. we can't find people to work in this industry because mum and dad sitting at home go, oh, Giles, no, no, don't go and work in a pub. It's unskilled. Yeah. God, no. Yeah. I love that Giles is always your go-to name. I don't well. know. I know a guy so. called Giles and he's a proper... <laughs> I love how you always bring it back to the government. <laughs> it is the government. what topic we're talking about. Yeah, but if they didn't classify us as unskilled labour, it'd be a different... In Europe, it's, it's classified as a proper job. But over here, it's yeah. like, oh, go and get a pub job then, earn a bit of cash. But you wouldn't want to do that for the rest of your life. So we're not yeah. taken seriously. People come look at us and they go, oh, he works in the pub. Oh, poor guy. Probably lost his real job. I mean, they like. struggle because you're never in the pub because you're always in holiday in Paris and places like that. But I, I mean, now, what, what, what are your, somewhere remote. What's your <laughs> what's your thoughts on on that unskilled thing? I mean, is that something we we should be addressing? Totally. You know, I, I, again, in in previous organisations, I've worked in veterinary uh, businesses and businesses with class uh, HGV drivers, class one and class two drivers, and he is spot on. It's um. I cannot believe that you would not class this industry and the skills within it, excuse me, as absolutely essential, fundamental life skills. You know, I've met some people who have joined our business. There's one guy in one of our suburb sites. He joined us at 17. Um, uh, he, he, he has autism. And when he joined us, he had very little self-confidence, very little confidence dealing with public, the public and customers. And he absolutely flourishes and he's developed problem solving skills customer service decision making teamwork communication being assertive being caring dealing with complaints dealing with issues he is just an incredible young man and actually this industry has given him that and and, and you know when our business has given him that and and they're the stories for me that are just incredible but I cannot, I, you know, for me, some, you know, lobbying needs to happen to really recognise the industry. Because I think, you know, without it, we're kind of, we're, we're just not progressing as an industry and we're making it really hard for ourselves to attract people into yeah. the industry. And there's some amazing careers. Even here at ARC, I've met some incredible people who have worked with us for 5, 10, 15, 20 years who have made incredible careers out of it. And, and done really well for themselves, you know, yeah. financially and, and everything else. And, um, yeah, if I, if I hear again, when are you going to get a proper job, I might, um, I might headbutt them. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's, um, it's generally what Heath does. Um, no. I mean, oh, there you go, Heath. We need a lobbying body. Yeah, um, they, listen, the government right. doesn't listen to, listen to us now. <laughs> they don't. You know what I, I mean? How do I unplug it? Hang on. Yeah, um, I've, got, I've got a question for you, Naz, too, and it will shut Heath up as well. Just so, going back to retention, so you guys obviously yes. are, are growing um, quite at a rate of knots at the moment, I think, and it's there's no plans to stop that, but how are you going to continue your, your good rates of retention as you grow, especially in, in cities kind of outside of that Leeds heartland? I know you've got venues outside of Leeds, but in kind of new areas if you like and, mm. and ensure that retention rate is going um, to stay good and how can other businesses do the same as they grow? Um, it's, um, it's, it's really and where we're not well known in, in the cities that we're moving to and we're not well known we have to work um, that bit harder uh, around our employer brand 
you know, and, I, and I've worked with my team on that over the last 12 months. And it is things like, you know, I remember when I joined the business, so, so 12 months ago, our ratings on Glassdoor, um, I think 3.27 out of 5. And Glassdoor, for anybody that has used it, doesn't look at it, is almost like a trip advisor for jobs. Look at Glassdoor, you different companies and look at what their current and existing, well, current and previous employees are, taught, are saying about the business. Um, and, and we've worked hard on things like that. We're now at 4.71 overall out of five as a business. And what that does for me is it really strengthens your brand and your reputation out there. So that can really help with attraction. Um, and then for me, giving people a really great onboarding experience, being quick with your recruitment. People will not now wait a week for you to reply to them. They want it that day or the day after. How do you make sure that your onboarding process is great? How do you look after them when they join? What does your look like? How do you welcome them into the family and into the business? More importantly, then, how do you look after them? And how do you make them feel belonging so that they really do feel the culture all the way through you know and we do things like engagement surveys which we tend to do once a year and the biggest theme that came out of the one that we completed in october was um this sense of belonging and when you ask people what the best thing was about working for arc i'd probably say 90 said the people Mm-hmm. Now, for me, that is about that sense of community, that sense of family. You know, how do you ensure that we're not a tiny business anymore and we are growing, so how do you try and protect that culture? Because it's tough when you grow and you get more and more sites and you become a little bit larger as a business. So cultural protection is massive for me. Absolutely. If it's the right, if it's the right culture, of course. It, indeed. Um, I'm conscious around the time and I have to go to Glassdoor to look up his business and see what they're saying about him. So uh, maybe we'll dig out some of those reviews They've at the end. They've all gone missing. They've uh, all gone missing. The people or the reviews? The people. Okay, yes, yeah, I thought so. Anyway, Naz, thank you very much for that. You are going to be joining us a bit later on. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, the flip side of this, which is uh, the disciplinary element. So we shall be speaking to you in a moment. But for now, thank you very much. This is the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Bennington, Nikki Thatcher and Heath Ball. And we're focusing on the staffing challenges the sector is facing. Uh, recruitment has been one of the biggest headaches for operators, or in Heath's case, a ball lake. See what oh, God. I mean, I've got to get these in somewhere. <laughs> so I don't use your surname enough. Uh, so who better to help us with that than ace recruiter Abby Dunn of 68 People? Welcome, Abby. Hello, hi, how are you doing? Good to have you back with us. I think you have been on this before, haven't you? I have, yes. Return, Thank you very much for having me back. Turning guests. I always, yeah, it's always good. We didn't put them off enough to uh, <laughs> uh, not have them coming back, so that's always a good thing. So, um, I mean, we're, we're, I'm, I'm personally starting to hear really mixed reports on the recruitment front. With um, Some are still finding it difficult, and others are reporting the, the complete opposite. So, I mean, how are you finding it, Abby? What's, what's the situation from your, your perspective as a recruiter? <laughs> I, I totally agree. I think it's a really mixed bag out there. Um, and I think that, look, people who have taken the bull by the horns and have you know, really put their process under a microscope and analysed what kind of people do we need, maybe started to look beyond skill level and started to look at behaviours, then actually it's become a bit easier for them. You know, they've invested in 
their process, they've invested in you know what, what they've got to talk about, they've invested in benefits. Um, you know, it's a bit of a marginal gains piece. It's, there was never any one thing that could solve the recruitment problem, but if you improve 100 things in your process, it's going to get a lot easier for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, how, how are you finding it at the moment, Heath? Are you uh, struggling? Are you, uh... No, okay. I think, I, I think like, if you look after people and you look after your team and you've always done that, you're always going to have no problems finding staff. I think when you've been someone who's just counted on just rinsing through, you know, young people who can come from broad and work etc etc and you don't really treat them well I think you're always going to have problems and I think people want to work for good employers and get paid well and get respect and I think the problem with a lot of the industry is they don't treat their staff well and they don't hang around. What about sort of absent employers, people who are never really in their business and are often away on holiday overseas? I, I, I think, Paris, I think, that's, I think that's called an owner of the business. Uh, uh, yeah. And if the owner's not happy, no one's happy. You're <laughs> never happy. I was going to say, I mean, no, that's yeah. why your staff looks so miserable. No, because they're just trying to make me happy. It's, it's like this uh, sort of weird, you know... That's that that level of stress I would wish on no one. Um, Anyway, coming back to to Abby, I mean, how how is the market changing? What would you say are the the key things that you're noticing at the moment? Um, Certainly expectations of candidates is really high. You know, you can, if you, you know, if if you're not on it with getting your paperwork out, if you're not on it with the time in between stages, if you're, you know, if you trial shift, it's the basics. It's still the basics. You know, there's nothing groundbreaking that I'm going to say. But you know, we've still got people turning up to trial shifts, and nobody, no, ever knows that they're coming. It's like, what is that? How can we ever expect to recruit people if that is? You know, we work in the hospitality industry, and we're really still missing this, this huge trick of actually delivering hospitality <laughs> to the people who are coming in. Free. Um, and expectations are high. The people know that there's other jobs out there that can get, they can go and get very easily. People don't necessarily want these confrontational conversations, so they'll just leave before they tell you what's wrong in many instances. Um, so, but we still, look, I'm sure I said this last time, that the biggest thing that people come to us asking for or the biggest reason people leave employers is work-life balance. And I'm part of the sentence myself, but it's, it is. And it is what, if people can deliver on it and if people can say, look, I give a shit about how many hours you work a week, that's fine. It's when people don't and it's unchecked and actually you said it was 40 and it's 60 and nobody's talked to me about it, then you, you, you're done, you know, the person's out of there. It, it must be hard though, because I, I see it from all like other, other mates and stuff and they don't have enough staff. They can't find yeah. staff, so the existing staff are stretched. They get frustrated. They don't have a work-life balance, so they leave, and then suddenly they don't have a team at all, and they're just constantly... It's not like we've got an abundance of people going, okay, you work three days a week, and I'm going to pay you 40 grand a year, and you work another two days a week. We, we don't have the luxury of an abundance of people in this country anymore, especially in hospitality. No one really wants to work in it. Do you know, it's, it's a really hard... Especially for the younger, the younger, I say the younger Brits, you know, I see Keir Starmer the other day was saying, oh, we've got to look internally. They don't want to work Saturday nights. They want to be with their friends. They want to be at festivals. So it's really, it's really hard. It's trying to, it's trying to make sure you've got enough team. And that's why we need people who treat it as a profession and take it seriously in the industry and want to further their career. And then the more people doing it, the easier it is on the, on the business. But you can't run a business if you don't have enough staff and give plenty of people time off. I totally agree. I, I think the sad part is, is that we we have a lot of people that are talking about this kind of you know the, the challenges that they've got, but then they're not retaining, they're not 
I know um, the retention is a challenge when you don't have enough team members, but there are lots of different parts about retention. And what we're seeing is people moaning about recruitment, but they're not focusing on, you know, what, what does actually, how, how do I actually keep these people involved? It's not purely about hours. It's about a million other things. It's about living your values. It's about all the things that people talk about. Yeah, but it's, like a, it's like a bank though, isn't it? The bank goes, if you're a new customer, we're going to give you all these amazing offers. But if you're an existing customer, well, too bad. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's that. It's so you're rewarding those. I mean, is, is it the generational thing? Because I mean, you know, when you're when you're starting out in a career, um, certainly sort of yeah. show my age. When I started out as a as a journalist, uh, just after four years ago, <laughs> um, <laughs> you kind of expected to kind of put in the graft and the, and the longer hours and, and do all that kind of thing. Yeah, I get the impression now that's that's less of a less of a kind of requirement or an expectation. But I suppose it's different. It's definitely different because we're telling people the kids today that. They probably can't afford a house ever in their life. They're going to rent for the rest of their life. And they're just thinking, well, I just want to enjoy my life. If I'm not going to actually have gold, if I'm never going to be able to get those, yeah. those big golden tickets or those big ticket items, I'll just enjoy myself. You know, why would I want to do 80 hours a week? You know, why? Yeah, totally. And I, I go back and forth with this quite a lot. But ultimately, you know, they're right. They're right. They're right to question working conditions. They're right to question, you know, why should I work? 60 hours and my contract is 45 and nobody's talking to me about you know working for free uh, but it's um, but that's a that's, that's, really that's a disgusting behaviour that I when I first came to this country that was something that was it was just accepted you got paid for this many but we want you to work this many mm. and that, I, you know I never agreed with that and so ever when my first businesses I've always paid people over time etc etc but so many businesses just expect you to it, do you that you would see that I mean you see, certainly in the jobs I've gone for in the past they would say these are your working hours however you are expected to work above and beyond that yeah. as as is required. Um, As the business needs. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah which, which is incredible, isn't it? And I, yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, we, we kick back against the game, you know, bloody millennials, younger generation, they don't work up. But the reality is, why Why would you? Yeah, we got conditioned. We mm. were, you know what I mean? It was sort of... Yeah. But do, do you find, Abby, do you find loads, like, you, you obviously have a pool of people and you can place them and stuff, but do you ever almost, that sounds bad, but do you ever poach your own staff from positions to put them in another position. Does that make no. sense? We, no. Yeah, I, I, can, I can understand that, but we, we have quite, we can't, couldn't really build a business if we were just pissing off loads of clients. So <laughs> okay. it, um, it, it, we have kind of, you know, I suppose structure around it when what's classy somebody is. So we only recruit managers and above. But, oh, okay. you know, so for example, client is a client for 12 months. Um, but they also, on the flip side of it, they can't be a client forever. We can't, fill one role for them and then they're a client forever so yeah. it's, it, it's a bit of a minefield yeah. yeah I mean in terms of sort of we're talking about sort of rewards and, and, and keeping well, I mean what kind of incentives are uh, people looking for at the moment or, or what are people offering would you say Abby um, it, look, there's all sorts out there about you know this big long list of things but if you're asking me what people are asking us about from a candidate perspective they're they're not really what's exciting people. Nobody's going to work for somebody because they've got a bloody cycle to work scheme or a um, maybe an extra holiday. You know, fine. I think the extra holiday thing is the fact that that's a company that has considered my personal time. So that's a you know how you do anything is how you do everything. But the so the holiday potentially, but the bonus structure. People are a bit dismissive about bonus even because they it's just we've. 
disappointed people so many times about not delivering on bonus or making it too complicated for people to even understand how to make the bonus. Mm. Um, so I would definitely say it, it, it is, it's more about a values piece. It's more that we can talk to a company about like how does it feel to work there? How, what's the manager like that you're going to be working for? What are the owners like? What do they, what kind of things do they do and say? Um, it's not, it's, I'd say it's more than that for us. It is a list of stuff that people just, you know, don't really believe yeah yeah yeah. Uh, when she said holiday teeth that's holidays for the staff not the owners (laughs) just to clarify on that but I can use their holidays for my holidays now well, that's entirely up to you. Okay, cool. uh, it's your call. Um, Abby, almost out of time, so one, one last question. You know, what, what key piece of advice would you offer to operators when it comes to recruiting? What could they do to do it better? What would you say? Look, I would say where you don't get feedback from is the people who came to your interview process and who didn't get the job. So I'd start with micro-analysis on my, you know, my adverts from my from that whole piece from advertising the role to somebody starting that deserves you know real analysis of how how can we deliver hospitality but then other than that I'd actually say it's a retention piece like what how can, how can we stop people leaving and if you had a, a pot of money and wanted to know where to spend it I'm sure I'm saying this as a recruiter but I'd be spending it on retention not recruitment <laughs> Very, uh, very astute and uh, honest of you to say so. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> right. I, I am afraid we are out of time. So on that bombshell, we will leave it there. But thank you very much, Abby. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast and we're looking at the staffing challenges facing operators right now. I'm delighted to welcome a special guest, Charlotte Edwards, who's the Learning and Development Manager over at Barron's Pub Company, who were named Employer of the Year in this year's Public Award. So welcome, Charlotte. Thank you very much for having me. And yes, we're very proud of that award that we won. <laughs> Good stuff. Well deserved. Well deserved. And one of the things that, that stood out in the judging for the awards was your sort of total approach to training. Literally mm. everyone in the business has the opportunity to learn from, you know, very top right down to the very bottom. Um, talk us a bit a bit about that. Tell, talk us through the business and, and why you're doing that. So, um you're absolutely right what you've just said. Everybody within our business has an opportunity for career growth, progression, development, whether that's looking at soft skills and interpersonal skills for employability in the future or um, more like vocational knowledge qualifications as well. Um, and we do that all through our Barons Training Academy, which is actually something that we brought in just as we reopened after the second lockdown. And it has truly proven to be absolutely value the value from it has just been incredible with all of our attention and attracting new team members in and it starts right from our induction training from a trial shift which and our start right stay right training all the way through to offering our senior management managers um up to a level five qualification mm-hmm. i mean hey tell us a bit about your your training regime at the uh they get to spend a weekend with me in paris it, uh, i mean no Oh, lovely. <laughs> I mean, if that was true, I'd be impressed. No, we do but, uh, You tend to go yeah, on, we do. on your own to these trips. So. We send, a lot, especially the chefs, we send them off to do like different courses, you know, yeah. like, and they train, learn to make pasta and stuff, and it's a good day out for them and they get paid. And Friday house stuff, it's, you know, WSET training for wine. Mm-hmm. So there's some formal qualifications. I was going oh, yeah, yeah. for that, but no, you oh, no, do actually oh, have Oh, yeah, some. no, we, we care yeah. about our people, we? Yes. Yeah, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, Charlotte, what... Why training important? Why do you guys value it at such a level that you do so much of that? 
So we are massive believers and our managing director, Clive Price, really drives us throughout the business that we drive the business through people. And we believe that with the investment in the people and then we get them to reach their potential, they feel challenged, they feel enriched, and they enjoy their work life. We obviously reap the benefits in that as an employer, which is just fantastic. But also, they see it as a career. All of a sudden, we become an employer of choice. And actually, what we're trying to do is make it more of an industry of choice as well. Um, And... You just have people, people have more fun, people see the value in the work they're doing, they feel more recognition, and that's kind of why we see it's just so beneficial, because of how much they get back, as well as what we get from it as well. Mm. Charlotte, have you seen a, a change in your staff turnover rate since before the Academy, compared to perhaps now? Um, it's been a really tricky time, if I'm honest. Uh, we have got a fantastic retention rate as far as like the um, industry goes over our long-term team members, hugely. We were really lucky to say we didn't make anyone redundant and didn't actually lose anybody over the COVID, the big COVID period. Since going reopening, we found that within that first like three-month period of uh, having new team members on, if we have a turnover, that's where it is. Whereas with our long-term team members, we continue to celebrate five-year service, ten-year. We did fifteen years the other day with a team member. So I wouldn't. I don't really have those figures to be able to tell you if it's improved, but it hasn't. It hasn't got worse, I can certainly tell you that. And the reason people have been staying with us is because of the opportunity we've given them to progress. Lots of people that we found interview stage and things are saying, what can you do for me? I want to be a sous chef. I'm currently a CDP or um, I've never done chefing before. How can I work my way up from a kitchen porter? Or we've had people wanting to be managers and general managers. And because we can offer that as part and parcel of their, um, their employment with us, that's where we've seen people want to stay with us Uh, and we're really lucky to say that people do come and sit with us and say oh my gosh I've never heard of a company that's put that much investment into that part of their employment with us and I mean the the, the, I guess that that's when it comes to retention what about recruitment is it is it a benefit to recruitment are you seeing people coming to you because you offer these kind of things Uh, is that something you're tracking at all yeah, we're not currently tracking it. It's something we've got quite a lot of things in the bank that we kind of want to start tracking in the new year um, a little bit more. We've got some resources to do that, which is exciting. But what we do here is um, people after their initial interview have said they've wanted to trial because of what we've told them about in that interview. Because I've got to admit, within the hospitality industry, it's... it's there's loads of choice out there currently because of the amount of jobs available to the people going for them uh, is huge so they have got the opportunity to shop around really so when we do get that interview stage the key things we're trying to show them is that investment we can put into them to make them come back for the trial and then choose us over another trial that they might have sat as well Um, so although we're not currently tracking that it's something that would be very interesting to looking into Mm. I mean the 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 terms of uh, sort of the fact you're you're offering it sort of from from top to bottom is really interesting. Mm. I mean, I, I do wonder is there an age restriction in terms of are you ever too old to learn? I don't know why I'm looking you at you. You can't Heath. say that. I'm looking at. You're I'm never looking too at, old to learn. You too old to learn, Heath. That is the. Uh, what, what what are you thinking? I don't know. What do you want to learn? I don't know. What are you what are you offering? <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, yeah, but always learning. Everybody's always learning. Every day's a school mm. day. 
I mean, do you do you look for things to do proper courses? I mean, do you, well, well, I mean, well, like me, I yeah. don't have time. Well, now you're always on holiday. <laughs> so, uh, no, but I mean, like like proper coursework. No, I don't have time for that. Like, but do you look for for your team though? Do you do you, do you seek yeah, out? And we, where and where do you seek? We've it, got really? we've got like especially with like some of the team are really since we, we're so wine focused at one of the pubs, the Red. Um, we've got a team who are really interested in wine, so we really sort of nurture that and get them on you know different levels of that. And it takes them other places. Some people leave and go and do sell wine for a living, and mm. you know it's just it's just paying attention to what people like and what they want to do. Mm. Find an interest sometimes they don't know what they want to do and then they we have a wine training and then suddenly there's a gateway wine and they're like I never knew wine could taste like this and then they have a suddenly epiphany and they're like I always thought it was just red white and rosé and then suddenly they're like oh my god okay is that not what there is for you I've seen the wines you drink mate yeah definitely <laughs> I mean, Charlotte. In terms of sort of advice, what, what what advice would you be offering to other other operators to sort of follow in in your lead and, and, and lessons from you guys? I think what's interesting, like what you were just saying, um, something we commit we commit to the minute that they they are in interview is as a business we're committed to like lifelong learning like you were saying every day is a school day and I, I genuinely believe as well as I know the lots of teams do that that is so true there are things that you can continue to learn whether it's different industries different skills different soft skills behaviours and um, I like what you said about taking it with them as well because something we always say to people is they might not be with us forever obviously we'd encourage them as much as possible but we would rather give people choice in the future opportunity to try new things because as an employer we've showed them what their potential could be what they could be interested in Mm. we've got people coming to join us that instead of going to college or university they've taken up a chefing apprenticeship with us because they happen to help in the kitchen and now they want to be a chef which is amazing because there's a complete new generation of chefs coming out um, of the woodwork since uh, COVID so I think one thing I would advise operators is don't underestimate the the value of investing into your people ever because not only can you you enrich their working lives that has a massive impact on their performance their productivity the culture teamwork and um, absolutely everything uh, across site level and at a business level so I just say don't underestimate that investment it's a hard potentially could be a hard time at the moment to commit to that investment with everything that's going on in the world and, and, and everything but I just yeah so always make sure it's one of your priorities and, the, and there are there are sources of funding still available I believe for training that, that mm. operators can't tap into uh, is that something you guys have done or have you just done it off your own uh, your own back? so with all of our um, with all of our apprenticeships uh, right at the beginning I don't believe it's there anymore but we did uh, use the incentive as well uh, for apprenticeships and we made a pot of money because the government I believe were giving £3,000 for certain levels of apprentices that you um, recruited um, and we actually put all of that to one side in a separate pot of money that wasn't touched and then we reimbursed that into people for events for excursions distillery tours brewery visits Taste of London, anything that gets them excited. Currently, we use like um, obviously the government funds the apprentices and things like that, and we're in the middle of seeing what else is out there. But 100%, if things are out there, definitely use them. They are worth their weight in gold. Absolutely, and I think one of the interesting things um, that, that I noticed with you guys is that you aren't just doing industry-specific training. You're, you're actually quite broad in your training. If somebody wants to do, say, for example, marketing, you're not necessarily going. We'll go and do a hospitality marketing course. They're doing a, a general marketing course. I mean, that's that. Yeah. There's the old idea. People get really nervous, don't they? Oh, what if I train them, they leave? But you're actively training people with skills that that. Um, 
could open up wider doors for yeah, we have a saying that we'd rather people uh, stay tra- uh, leave trained than stay untrained. That's what we say sometimes. But also, I think you've got to think about what you're getting back to them while they're with your business as well. So we actually had um, uh, a lady who worked on the bar who then uh, went to have children. And then when she came back, she actually came back as an office manager and we provided her with different opportunities. And now she's currently our um, purchasing manager and she's doing a level four, uh, six qualification on the side as an apprenticeship to give her more information to be able to deliver egg on her job better she feels valued she enjoys it and I've seen it in her work output and everything the things she's learning is coming out in her output it's incredible and like you say as well our leadership qualifications aren't hospitality based they are transferable but I think that's something that draws people to us as well and then the other key is with everything else we do with L&D, making sure they're valued and recognised keeps them with us for as long as possible. So it's kind of a mixture of things that then retains that for longer as well. Fantastic. Brilliant, Charlotte. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time, but thank you very much for that. Some really interesting Thank you very much for having me. Take care. Cheers, Charlotte. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye. This is the Lock In Podcast with myself, Ed Bennington, Heathball and Nikki Thatcher. Uh, we're focusing on staffing in this issue and one of the challenges for operators is when it comes to disciplinary procedures and making difficult decisions to let people go. I'm delighted to say we've got Naz Johnson from Arc Inspirations back with us to help guide us through this tricky minefield. So thanks for joining us again, Naz. Thank you very much, Ed. Good to be back. So, hypothetical question. There's a guy I know who records a moderately successful podcast, 10 listeners and rising. He wants to be able to gently sack his co-presenter. Let's call him Keith, shall we? <laughs> you don't pay me, Edward. Oh, yeah. So, so, if he doesn't pay me, am I, am I still in some sort of contract? That's, that's a good point. Um, yeah, you could be. Yeah, it depends what else he gives you. Oh. I think... Uh, <laughs> I, 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 he just gives me the bill for the beers at the end. <laughs> Then no, I'd say I'd say you're all right, Heath. You can get out of that one. I, I think uh, I think we'll we'll move on quickly from this one before I get myself into any trouble. But um, <laughs> so, Daz, I mean, more seriously, when it comes to following the proper procedures um, and, and going through those 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 right hoops and things, I mean, how good are we as, as a sector at this? Is is it something? I mean, you've come from a different background. You've come into this one. What what's your impression of of our of the hospitality sector? Um, so I suppose it, it's difficult to comment on the sector and the, the industry because um, I've, I've, I've only had experience of, of ARC, but um, I would say that as a business, we're, we are pretty good at it. I think for me, my key message uh, to other companies uh, would be, you know, have you really got the foundations in place? So have you got the right handbook or the right contracts or the right procedures and policies in place? And do your people know that they're there and understand them? Because I think that if you set your stall out from from an employment law perspective, from a contractual perspective, if that's set out, you've got it held somewhere that people can access it, you've got a way of being able to get that information out to them, um, which which is clearly, you know, law-abiding, then then the rest of the HR processes should be relatively straightforward. I think for me, if you've not got any of those things in place, that would be my, my top tip for you to kind of get those in 
um, because without them, you, you're on you're on tricky ground, really. Yeah, so so laying that ground. I mean, Heath, how how, how do you handle situations like this? I mean, what like what like giving your staff an induction, giving them a handbook, yeah, giving just, them a contract, well, talking all, all to all that, people. but also when you're coming up to the other end of that, where you where you've got somebody who's underperforming. Um, other than ringing my wife and asking her <laughs> advice. <laughs> I do use another company that does an independent company I use, but your wife does it really easy, and I can bother on a Sunday. I always think, like, you've just got to, I think if you treat people fairly and you, you treat them with respect, and obviously there's times that there are people who are just absolute lunatics and you've got to exit them from the business. Um, you've just got to do it properly and make sure you, you know, you document everything. But just... I'm always very wary. It comes down to getting getting the recruitment right right, in in the first place is key, isn't it? Because you've got that that process of going, you know, is somebody... I mean, obviously failed with Nikki because she's still here, but um, if you... uh, (laughs) I've been waiting for that. But you know, in the recruitment process, a lot of the times, they don't... You know what I mean? Like especially, like especially the way they've obviously got it there. You, you're actually looking, and you, you know, especially on trial shifts, your whole team feedback, mm-hmm. and you can you can smell a you know bad egg right now. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes, sometimes, especially chefs, they get through it and they're all right, and they, their first shift it's all good, and then suddenly it's a really busy Saturday night, and then all the wheels come off. Do you do probation yeah. periods? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, how long? Yeah, three months, three but months. then you stretch it out if you have to. But yeah. generally, if you're stretching out someone's probation period, you just stretch, you just try to drag it out until <laughs> you find someone else it's, it, I was going to say it's, it feels like you're delaying the inevitable to yeah. a certain extent isn't it if somebody hasn't yeah. uh, hasn't shot in the first three months I mean what, what's your thoughts on that as yeah, we uh, like, like Heath. We have um, we have a we don't call it a probationary review because um, it feels like you've just done time in prison. So the word Working probation feels like just that. a little bit countercultural for us. So uh, we call it a twelve-week review. But we we put in place and I put in place um, a four, eight, and a twelve-week review for new starters, just so that you can check in early at things in the board if you're hitting problems with that new starter, perhaps the training isn't working, perhaps they're not working. So we have a a four, eight and a 12 week review. Um, We do extend um, and we have uh, extended a number of people to a further two months. If we just have some question marks about their behavior or their ability to kind of understand the training and, and, and become competent in what they do. Um, but, but I think ultimately, as, as you well say, if you've got people that either are not going to give your customers a great experience or they're damaging for your brand in some way or your culture, so their behaviours aren't great, you know, being tough sometimes to face these conversations and facing into them early, you know, I think that, you know, and I don't think we're any different to any other industry. I think with the um, recruitment challenge that we face and, and, and it feeling difficult to recruit people into roles, I think the easiest thing to be uh, to do would be to turn a blind eye mm-hmm. to poor performance. Now, for me, it's about being courageous and HR departments, departments and operational teams have to be courageous and sometimes you might have to go um, through a, a, a period of time short term, a gap, but, but, but for me it's much better to have a gap than have somebody in your business that's damaging your brand, your customers or your culture. You always find like the team, you know, when you've got a really good solid team, they always weed them out anyway. Is it just sort of, you know, they always come to you and you'll, you'll get feedback off your team. And well, they grass them up, is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's generally it. But <laughs> people want to work with people who are good. And, you know, especially if you're all hustling, you've got a new member of staff, and they're just lagging. No one wants to work with someone they have to carry, mm. and especially if they're new. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, you've got to be- I mean, are, are you carrying people? Would you? I mean, bearing in mind the situation, you know, we've got, um, you know, zero unemployment, you know, yeah, hard to recruit. Yeah, but you can't, you, but then, then you suddenly compromise your standards. You go, there's no one else out there, so we'll take this guy. Mm. And it doesn't work, girl, or whatever. You know what I mean? You can't do that, because then you, you, once you make one exception, then you hire someone else you don't really should take, and, and then you suddenly, it's all a slippery slope, and then you've got a team of people who just aren't that good. Mm. And even though you're trying to train around them, and they're just not involved. You want people who are committed and who want to be part of the business. So as, uh, to your point, really, now, Stan, you're, you're sort of saying, you know, you don't carry people. Take take the hit on uh, on, on having a, a lower headcount and, and... And do it properly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's better to go through a bit of short-term pain, as I said. And, and the same goes for recruitment. You know, he, he just talked about it then. Don't, don't panic higher. Yeah. You know, I think we have maybe been guilty of a bit of that, especially coming out lockdown um, where we we possibly did a little bit of panic hiring because it was important to get you know the venues full and open yeah. um, but it does cause you pain long term yeah really detrimental does. to the business they, they don't want to learn and they, you try and explain things and they don't know where things are and you keep on explaining it I've done panic buying, uh, panic hiring as well and it's just not worth it if you don't have a good feeling about it don't do it I mean, there's 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 a tendency, and I'm not referring to to you guys now. So I don't know why I'm looking at Heath um, to be less than formal um, with some of these things, so disciplinary procedures and things like that. Um, I mean, what are the risks with that? <laughs> the risks, uh, depending on the, uh, the the reasons your disgruntled employee might uh, might might take, kind of against you. There, there are risks around tribunals, there are risks around constructive dismissal, there are risks around discrimination, um, there are risks that, you know, if, if, it, if it comes to, you know, uh, any of the protected characteristics around discrimination, you know, big fines for the business and a really poor reputation, you know, and when you're in a tough recruitment market, you do not want to be known as an employer that mistreats its people. Um, or, or just something from HR point of view, which is which is wrong. So yes, that's why it's so important to have the right procedures and policies, the right paperwork, and to train your managers. We've spent this year really training all of our general managers, ge- deputy general managers, and department managers in how you do the HR stuff um, and the HR side to your role because it's so important to get it right. Well, this is what kills me. We're not. It's not skilled labour, you know, according to the government. But if you're a general manager of a site, the level of responsibility and the training you need to deal with customers, to deal with staff, to deal with compliance. It's insane. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's a degree in itself. Yeah. And then also, you're trying to make sure all your punters have an amazing time while you're trying not to kill anybody with, you know, allergens and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Chef's knives. Yeah. And, and, we, and we call these people unskilled labor. It's, it's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. So, totally, totally agree. You know, we, we try and look at it from a from the perspective of, you know, each of our general managers are CEOs yes. <laughs> of, of their venue. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and to Heath's point, they are responsible for everything. And, and even if you took a, 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 a similar management role in another industry, they don't have necessarily the allergens to deal with mm. some of the, you know, let's face it, hospitality has a lot of drunk people in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when you mix alcohol with behaviours, you can get some really unruly customers. Oh, yeah. Doing, doing fire so, risk so assessments on candles because but you've got to factor yeah. in the person's drunk 
How many businesses yep. have to do that? Yeah, agree. Indeed. Yes. So well, I'm, I'm conscious we're out of the time, um, but I guess uh, my key message from this, Naz, is we shouldn't shy away from those tough decisions uh, and, and having those tough conversations and, uh, and, and not to just sort of uh, put up with things. Just get in there yeah. and, and sort these things out. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you're not sure, you know, you're in a business where you've maybe not got a HR function or a HR team, do as he's done, which is, you know, how do you outsource some of that advice? Because it will absolutely pay you benefit and dividend in the long run. Absolutely. Probably not my wife, but there we go. Uh, moving free. on. Thank you. She's free. <laughs> I think she wants to have uh, dinner on Sunday, by the way. Just okay, okay. Right, thank Price you very Sundays. much, Naz. Really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks very much. This is the Lock In Podcast and we're at the end of this week's episode. So we've been talking about staffing challenges. We, we've heard some really interesting things. I'm currently looking at Glassdoor to see if there's any reviews of, uh, but you know what we of Heath as uh, an employer. Uh, there's this Check one. Crime Watch. Um, no, I can't actually get into it and you stop um, me. You're getting very nervous of me logging no, into it. Though. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Uh, but what we haven't talked about is we haven't talked about why we're in the shit fight oh. in the first place. Oh, God. How did we end up here? Oh, How, Heath? Oh, why don't okay. you enlighten us? Does it involve the government? No, it just involves Brexit. There we go. But Ooh. let's forget it. So, yeah, interesting chat. Everybody's trying to keep all the staff they can keep, um, look after them, treat them really well. Um, and, and make hospitality and interesting business to, work, business to work in, even though you classify as unskilled labour. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, like we've it, gone full circle, isn't it? We, we always go full circle with um, with Heath. I mean, it, it's it is a struggle. It is a struggle at the moment. But um, but you're finding it all right. Yeah, but I think but I think if you always pay well, look after people well. Big one is pay them on time. We haven't really talked about that. So many people have, who've come to work with me from other places over the time is like they're on a month's salary. You know, they're on their, their pages aren't um, their wages aren't paid till weekly. They right. find a struggle to manage on that. So you know, I pay all my staff weekly. Um, I find a bit of a cash flow, um, but yeah, pay them well, pay them on time, treat them with respect, and don't treat them like they're unskilled labour. You know, they're the front of your business. Everybody, you need people with energy and they're happy. But when you have had to recruit, Heath, how have you gone about, how have you gone about recruiting? Generally, it's usually staff, no people. Right. That's that's the most success we've ever had. Yeah. I get ads sometimes, but we just find now, people go, oh, my friend works at another restaurant. She hates it there. Can they come here? And we've done a lot of that. I mean, coming, not wishing to come back to your point about Brexit, but I mean, oh. it's not just about Brexit. I mean, are we guilty perhaps of taking things for granted you know assuming that there's this sort of uh, well, we, we unquenchable did. pool well, of we did, people we can pre, get into pre-Brexit we had all students who come here and study English and you know and come and work in hospitality because they needed work and they wanted to learn and it's a really good place to learn English because you're always serving English people but now all that's in places like Dublin because they're still mm. part of the EU and we don't have that talent and their exchange rates probably healthier than ours as well which doesn't help but, yeah, uh, and we don't we haven't represented ourselves really well because we've basically gone 
yeah, we don't want foreigners in our country, so go away. So why would you even want to hustle to try and get in here? But that, that, that sort of maybe, as you say, you know, not paying people on time, not feeding them, all these kind of things. But, 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 but that's what I'm saying. Because operators take the piss out of the staff. So yeah. if you're not going to do it, I'll find someone else who's going to do it. You can't you work can't Saturday night. Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to compromise. You've got to treat people like human beings. And you can't say, you have to work every Saturday night. It's interesting. I remember going uh, many years ago into the, into the Isle of the Man. I don't know what the situation's like there now, but because the, uh, it had become quite a financial area, anybody could walk into a job in the banks. And uh, what, what was left in terms of hospitality and people working in hospitality, it's an absolute nightmare because no one wants to do it. And they didn't care. So you literally walk into, like, uh, you'd be in a hotel reception and you'd just be ignored for 20 minutes for somebody deigned to actually come and serve you. Same in the bar and the pub and the rest. They could not get staff. And the staff they could get uniformly didn't give a shit because they could walk out of that job into any well, other we're going to end up with the UK. Situation. Here we are because we just don't... We And the government... Sorry, don't care. And we have a I'm real, pro- we have a real problem here, though. Yeah. We have a real problem with the way the industry is going. And you know, and how can we go to the rest of the world, come to England on holiday? Look at us, we're amazing. You know, and everybody's going, well, hold on, are your pubs shutting early? Well, they're only doing five day weeks, and do you have staff to do it? And how are we going to go to these restaurants when I'm hearing is that you're closing down? And all the press coming out of the UK is really negative. I mean, you know, we're, now we're starting a war with China. Do you know what I mean? Basically calling China out on their shit. Nice one, Sunak. Brilliant. Let's wind them up as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, do we want any allies? Do we want anybody who wants to work with us? We're just taking it back to staffing, just because yep. that's I mean, I can imagine him recruiting from China. <laughs> but, um, but do you think there'll be a point when we go too far the other way? For example, I was talking to a guy that worked in pub for year, pubs for years a little while ago, and he was saying, now it's the, it's the person who's applying for the job that's dictating to the employer yeah. what like what they can do they can't do this and they can't do that like is that well, the way it should be no nah, there needs to be a compromise with anything because you can't just be told like well, there was always that running joke years ago at my place it was like we'd, we'd, we'd all have a breakdown because they'd go okay who can work what and you try and do the road and it's like just write your own road then but you'd have no staff yeah. because it'd all be like okay I'll do Monday lunch because the way the trunk system works, you can do a Monday lunch and get paid effectively the same money as you work on a Saturday. Mm. So, you know, like people just, you can't, you've got to have compromise. And you try, my big thing is when they do get all a bit like coming up to Christmas and we try and write writers in advance, it's like, guys, this, we, we're still trying to run a business here that pays everybody's wages. We can't close days because you all want the same day off. Yeah. So there has to be a compromise. Mm. So, you know, if you want that, well, you had last Christmas off and it's, it's just been fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Hospitality Rising has now launched. It's going to be interesting to see whether what sort of impact that has. Um, they've got off a bit of a flying start. TikTok has had 4.3 million impressions, a reach of 1.2 million. Websites had over 20,000 applications made and over 83,000 job views to date. Um, so, you know, it's... Uh, We'll see whether that's, that has any uh, has any impact. Did all the big pubcos get behind it? Um, I can see that tumbleweed blowing. Is that a, is that a no Edward? I suspect that's a no. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, notable exceptions. I think uh, some have, but uh, the vast majority no. Um, but uh, yeah, which is a shame. But it's affecting having staff having staff issues is affecting growth for a lot of businesses. They can't they can't take on new sites. They can't even, you know, they're just trying to hold together mm. what they've got. Mm. And then you're getting pounded with all the, you know, everything else, all the rates and everything else. I say rates, we're getting a bit of repeat on that, but other stuff, all the, you know, the factors of the food inflation and all that. It's, 
generally not a nice time to be in hospitality because there's so many problems. You can't actually do what you really want to do. And what I really want to do is I just want to work the floor, host and do stuff and make it really really fun for people to come to your place and have a really good experience. But all you're doing is when you're spending half your time trying to find stuff or deal stuff or do rotors or... Yeah, but you're trying to deal with problems all the time and we're not getting... You know, we haven't had a clear run since COVID Uh, on anything. Do you know what I mean? So... I mean, we we haven't touched on this, but there was the the trend, I think, mainly out in the States, but was was starting to catch on pre-COVID, which was to give stuff unlimited holiday. Uh, oh yeah, I, I mean, can't that's, about that. Um, we just see what they did in Australia. They, 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 they've got they're so short of hospitality staff. They'll give you fifteen hundred pounds to move to a uh, like a fee, pay for your flights, and they'll give you a job in hospitality because of that short. So people are getting paid. Is that why you left Australia? Yeah. Where's that money coming from? I'm not sure how they're government. doing it. It's government, but they're just trying. They realize the thing is, what kills me is don't do if that. If you have Mickey. a bustling hospitality sector and a bustling where people go, oh yeah, I really want to go. And what we, what's great about this country is we have great pubs. People go, oh, let's go to England and have a really good time, and we can just bounce around the pubs and have that. But if we destroy that, like, and the restaurant sector and all of hospitality, you know, I know yeah, we've got football and all these other things, but you want to go somewhere that's buzzy, mm. do you know? And we're not going to have that. Not if everyone's on holiday all the time, no. Unlimited holiday. I mean, his but staff you imagine be getting there. unlimited holiday. He'd, he'd have to stop going on holiday. Yeah, but are you paying them for this unlimited holiday? I, I don't know. How does that work? Because then it's not financially viable. Because you, you've got to factor in twelve and a half percent right now for holidays. Well, what that's going to cost you? If I'm paying you 30 grand, twelve and a half percent of that on top is what's going to cost me for you to be. It's just you. What what I think what a lot of employees forget is you're still trying to run a business. Yeah. And if the business doesn't make money, there's no point doing it. Yeah. So it's all, they've all got to understand that. I'm always, you know, like quite open about what the bills are at the pubs mm. because you want them to understand that it's not just like, oh, look, sold an 80-pound bottle of wine. It's like, well, not really. 20% went in VAT. Yeah. And then we've got the cost of energy. We've got Overhead. this and that. Yeah. And suddenly it's a mess. Mm. So it's trying to, you know, it's just not that sale. Even customers don't understand that the government take 20% of the VAT. Mm. In the States, you buy something and then they go on this sales tax for the state sales tax. Here, it's like, oh, yeah, 18 quid fish and chips, you're taking the piss. No, I'm not. I can get that in the supermarket for a fiver. Yeah, but you're not going to have a... Sorry, how much for fish and chips? Well, I'm, nine, I'm 19 now, I think. Jesus, he's taking the piss. You know... What can you do? <laughs> right, well, on that note, we need to end it there because Heath has got to catch a plane to Paris um, for his next holiday. Um, I'm not going on any more holidays, Ed. Okay. Good. Not this week. Not that was a week. jolly. Okay, um, fine. It's for my mental health, Edward. <laughs> it's for my, I can't believe you're questioning my mental health. It's not working, is This it? is very stressful. It isn't it's working. It's conversation. You need another holiday. Right, you have been listening to the Lock In Podcast. That is it for this episode. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll be looking ahead to 2023 and what's in store for the trade. In the meantime, please subscribe, like, share, and tell your friends and family. We shall be back soon. Music.